All right, now on two, on two. Ready? Green for 20! Green for 20! Hold on! Good morning. Week two is almost in the books. Thought we would take a quick look at the Seahawks game versus the Pats. The win that almost wasn't. And uh, also just kind of go over week two. Maybe uh, assess some of the damage done to teams throughout the BDFL after an ugly, ugly week of injuries in the NFL. So uh, stay tuned. Hope you enjoy the show. So I want to talk a little bit about the Seahawks game versus the Patriots last night. Um, it was a great win. Seahawks end up holding on for a 35-30 to victory over the Cam Newton-led Patriots. Um, I thought that the uh, game was incredible. The offense, I, I honestly cannot remember a time that the Seahawks offense looked this uh you know, for lack of a better term, deadly. Uh, the the ability for Russell Wilson to just spread the ball around is pretty amazing. I hate the um, this whole like let let Russ cook. I, I think that's just retarded. But um, you know, I, I do like the idea of giving him more flexibility and and letting him throw the ball a little bit more. I mean, you know, you look at his numbers, he was 75% completion percentage last night. His passer rating was like 132, and I want to say perfect is like 164 I, I don't know I haven't looked that number up in a while but you know he's playing out of his mind he's probably the uh, clear-cut leader as far as I'm concerned for a league MVP at this point although I heard Dan Orlovsky from ESPN say that he'd give it to Josh Allen right now uh, even though the Buffalo Bills have beat like two pretty shitty teams and and Russell Wilson's done this against uh, much better competition um, but five touchdowns for him last night, uh, pick six. Um, he was sacked a couple of times. I thought that, um, I don't know if I just said this on or not, but those five touchdowns came to five different receivers. Uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I think, um, are are looking like they're going to be Pro Bowl players. DK Metcalf looks like a like a all pro at this point, but it'll be interesting to see if he can keep it up. I've also was really impressed. Just uh, his numbers aren't spectacular, but Chris Carson in the passing game has been huge. And I looked like I just I missed the touchdown during uh, live action, and I just kind of caught the tail end of the replay of it. But the touchdown that he caught reminded me of a play that you used to see a lot with Marshawn Lynch, where he would just sort of sneak out on a little wheel route up the sideline. And uh, Wilson would hit him, you know, and I don't remember those necessarily ever breaking for big touchdowns, but but that play sort of seemed reminiscent of some of the stuff that we'd seen in the past where you take a big bruising back like Carson and and uh, and then just roll him out up the sideline. And, and it was beautiful. It looked like he had beat a linebacker on that, but I'm sure one of you guys can correct me, although I don't expect any of you guys to correct me because I've been putting calls out on every single ones of the, one of these shows for you guys to uh you know, leave a message and I would play that stuff back and respond to your guys' feedback or criticisms or whatever. But, you know, I'm in like, what, four or five of these podcasts deep and I haven't heard a single thing from any of you. I got a text message from a couple guys saying that they enjoy the show, but it would make it a lot better if you guys just would download the app and, and have your voices heard. But anyways, not to beat a dead horse on that. Uh, 
but you know, there are a couple things that, um, I haven't heard talked about that much on sports radio this morning. I, I was texting with a couple guys about it in one of my threads and, uh, it seemed like it just got a bunch of pushback. Both of these seemed like they, they just sort of were glossed over, but the fact that the Seahawks were even, um, or, or that the Patriots were even able to come back and make a game of that thing late in the game, late in the fourth quarter is absurd to me. There, there was an opportunity for the Seahawks to ice the game with about two minutes left. Um, and they ran two consecutive plays. I'm talking obviously about the third and one, uh, where they throw it 30 yards deep to Tyler Lockett. It's a third and one. That third and one is set up by two consecutive rushing plays, uh, you know, one was like four yards, the next was five. You just run the ball two plays in a row for nine yards, and then on third and one, you throw it thirty yards down the field at a time where play uh, or where where field possession doesn't matter. All you have to do is get the first down, run a few more plays, get the Patriots to burn up their timeouts, and the game's over. I mean, you're not in a position where you can just kneel the ball necessarily, but you know you can make those timeouts burn. Uh, make the Patriots burn those timeouts and then maybe leave them with like 20 or 30 seconds left on the clock to go the length of the field or, or something, you know, to, to close the game out. And instead, you know, we basically like give them decent field position. The defense completely shits the bed as far as I'm concerned, letting Cam Newton lead the Patriots all the way down to the two yard line in like a, what, four or five plays. I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. I put it on Ken Norton Jr., I think he's the most overrated defensive coordinator that uh, we've ever had with the Seahawks. He was terrible with the Raiders. I posted about this a couple of years ago, actually, uh, the first year that he came back to the Seahawks as the defensive coordinator. His numbers are horrible. Like, he's one of the worst defensive coordinators in the league, and we just seem to give him a pass because he's got a good relationship with K.J. Wright and uh, Bobby Wagner. But um, I, I honestly do think that with the Seahawks' offense playing as well as it is, uh, the only thing that's going to hold this team back from being a defense is going to be uh, suspect play calling on on defense. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, it's hard to like gripe about things after after starting two and zero, and and you know the season looks like it's off to a good start. But the way that the Patriots were able to just move down the field is concerning to me. And especially, I had sent a message in this group text I'm in. Uh, to a couple of buddies, Tang and and Yaniver, uh, in that text thread, and um, I said something to the effect of like, "There's no way that a Cam Newton-led team can come back from this deficit and and win the game," only to you know basically watch him uh, come up like one yard short. And so I I was a little bit concerned there as I was watching them march down the field, thinking that I was going to have to eat a bunch of crow. Um, and realistically, if the defense could just make a fucking stop, we're not in that position. And, and you know, conversely, the defense should never have been put in that position anyways because of horrible play calling. I, I just, I don't understand. You at least run a bootleg and give Russell the option to pull it down and run for a yard. Um, let me pull up the stats. He, he had run pretty well in the game up to that point. He had... Th- Five carries for 39 yards, so almost an eight-yard average. I mean, that's obviously boosted by a 21-yard run. Um, but still, y- you get my point. Like, the Seahawks as a team, Carson was running for more than four yards. Wilson had almost an eight-yard average. Carlos Hyde ran well. He had four-and-a-half-yard average. Uh, and even even Travis Homer was picking up seven yards a clip. So just run the goddamn ball. 
uh, quit trying to be cute and let's get the damn win and, and be done with it. Um, the other thing that I think, and it might kind of play into some of the criticisms that I have of the defense is that, and I, and I mentioned this in the pregame podcast, uh, that I posted a couple days ago that, you know, part of the problem I think is that there's the crowd noise, you know, is going to be a huge disadvantage for the Seahawks. It's going to, it's going to really help road teams that are coming into the century link. Um, and even Collinsworth and, and the guys made a mention of it during the game where they said that the NFL caps the um, pumped in noise at 70 decibels. And so I kind of looked it up. The um, record for century link is like 139, 140 decibels. And I think that like on average, it's it's like exceeds 100. So the idea, like somebody would pushing back and they're going, well, these are all hypotheticals and, you know, you should just be happy with the win. Well, I mean, you know, I am happy with the win. Anytime the Seahawks are 2-0 and is great. But this is going to, I think, be a problem uh, maybe when they play some better teams, better quarterbacks um, later in the season, that if you don't have the crowd roaring, I mean, just think of like, a couple of the plays during that final drive where the crowd is capped at 70 decibels, <laughs> you know, about half of what it would normally be during a, a, you know, regular Seahawks game in any other year. And that that doesn't affect a quarterback trying to make a game winning drive. You know, I think that's just crazy. So I, I don't know what the league is going to be able to do to maybe pump a little bit more noise in to make it a little bit more realistic. I, I doubt they're going to do anything, to be honest. Um, but I just thought that, like, the, you know, to, to say that that didn't have an impact on the outcome of the game uh, is a little bit nuts. But all in all, uh, the Seahawks, you know, now go to 2-0. and I can't think of who they play next week off the top of my head. I had it saved here somewhere. Looks like we've got Dallas at home next week. So, uh, you know, hopefully the um, hopefully the defense is able to kind of fix some of the problems that they had. I thought, you know, just if I want to look at a couple of players, I mean, Jamal Adams seems to be worth every penny that they're that they're uh, paying him. I mean, in the draft picks and all of that stuff, he seems to me like he's an upgrade over. Earl Thomas, uh, and I will even take it a step further and say he's an upgrade over Earl Thomas at his at his in his prime. Um, many of you guys know I, I like Earl. I thought he was a great player. I, you know, glad that he played the the majority of his career in Seattle. But I also think he's a little bit overrated. So, um, anyways, I am uh, looking like I'm next up for my COVID test. So I'm gonna cut this short. Um, I'll come back with a look at a uh, few of the big injuries and how that might impact BDFL teams moving forward. Uh, week two is a nasty one for, for injuries, and it didn't hit you know insignificant players. This took out some of the league's biggest superstars. So um, <clears throat> looks like I'm due here in just a minute. He's handing out these test kits to a couple cars in front of me and making his way back. So uh, just for anyone who's concerned or wondering why I'm having this test, I got to colonoscopy uh later this week and so this is just a pre-procedure screening um yeah i've been dealing with some health issues the better part of this year and uh need to get that stuff checked out so this is just part of the part of the process and i'll uh I'll let you guys know if i don't know if any of you guys have had to do these things yet so i'll let you know what this is all about uh here in a few minutes i'll be back 
All right, guys. So real quick, uh, just had the COVID test done as part of a pre-operation uh, screening. Pre-op is what he kept calling it. You're here for your pre-op. Uh, so yeah, like I was saying earlier, I've got a colonoscopy uh, later this week. Uh, for those of you who do not know, I've been dealing with ulcerative colitis since I was 15. Uh, kind of goes into remission every few years. Had it pretty well in check up until last summer. Um, must have been yeah, like August of 2019. It started to flare up again. Um, this is after about a 10 year remission. So right after I got out of, I guess more like anyways. So yeah, I got out of the treatment center when I was doing all the, the getting sober and all that stuff to 2004, got sick from 2004 to 2005. Um, started using some medicinal marijuana, which is the exact same as all the other marijuana for anybody who doesn't know it's the exact same product. Uh, but started smoking pot again, felt really good for about, I'd say, you know, better part of 10 years. And then in August of 19, uh, had a, had a little flare up and got it under control for a few months. And then it kind of came back, uh, this spring. So doing the right thing, going to get a colonoscopy, have it all checked out. I, you know, I'd like to think everything is okay. Obviously the risks of, um, other illnesses and, and, uh, uh, setbacks goes up, um, with each one of these flares, the main one being colon cancer. Uh, we remember the news a couple weeks ago of a guy who, I can't think of his name right now, but the actor who just died of colon cancer at 43 years old, that news came out on my 42nd birthday. So that sort of facilitated this uh, move to get um, all of these things checked up. So anyways, the, the uh, COVID test, takes about 15 seconds. They stick a long Q-tip up your nose, spin it around a couple of times, pull it out, give you a QR code and tell you to, you know, have a good day. So anyways, uh, if you're feeling like shit, if you think you may have been exposed, go and get tested. It's not as bad as you maybe have heard. Um, yeah. So just wanted to share that guy with you guys. Uh, and also just as another PSA, we're not getting any younger. They start saying that you don't need to start going in for a colonoscopy screenings until you're 50 for men. I call bullshit. Um, I would start sooner than that. I would start now. Uh, if you're 40 or older, um, I would start getting them. I think they say after that, it's like every five years I'm on the annual, uh, schedule now, um, with all the, the things that I've got, all the risks and stuff that I carry around with me. Uh, I have to get this stuff checked out quite a bit more often than than the rest of you. But don't wait, um, uh, especially for those of you who have families and, and um, you know, kids and all that kind of stuff. Your loved ones will appreciate knowing that you're in your best health. You're only going to find that out by going and getting the test so or getting a screening or getting a colonoscopy or whatever it is that you're, you're dealing with. Um, I know that it's easy for men in particular to think that they're just going to fight this stuff and they're fine and nobody wants to go to the doctor and especially talk about any of the bullshit that is going on with them uh, mentally or physically. I'm an open book uh, on all of this stuff. So if anybody has any questions, if anybody's got any concerns, if anybody thinks that they might be, you know, dealing with some stuff that they just don't know how to talk about, hit me up. You know, that that's one of the things that doesn't have to go on the pod, but um reach out, you know, uh, one of the league members and I really good friend of mine, we had a big talk about, uh, some depression and stuff, 
that I was dealing with a few weeks ago. And, um, uh, it helped just to be able to talk about it and, and, you know, start looking for, uh, steps forward. So anyways, long story short, don't fuck with your health. Don't fuck with your mental health. Um, first step is, is going out and getting some tests and getting screening and, uh, you know, talking about it with family and friends. So anyways, love you guys. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment with, uh, some thoughts on week two from the BDFL standpoint and see how these injuries are going to, uh, continue to screw up teams like me and Mahoney's. Sorry, Aaron. Hey guys, real quick before I get to week two injuries and BDFL uh, recap, I uh, was waiting in line at Rite Aid to get some bowel prep ahead of you know Wednesday's colonoscopy. And uh, if you don't know about bowel prep, you will. I'll just leave it at that. One day you will uh, find yourself drinking a gallon of terribly tasting ter- tasting uh, water. And then you'll proceed to shit a couple dozen times and really cleanse everything out uh, so they can stick a camera up your ass and see what's going on. But anyways, I pulled up a screenshot of the uh, final offensive series that the uh, Seahawks had that led to that three, uh, that third and one. Because y'all know I can't let a good thing go. Uh, so first and 10, two minutes and nine seconds, Seahawks have the ball on their own 22. Chris Carson takes a handoff to the right, gets a six-yard gain. You may remember him sliding to uh, keep the clock running. That took us down to the two-minute warning. So they uh, come out second and four on the 28. Again, they give it to Carson, this time to the left side, for a gain of three. So here's where, this is where the, the play call that they ultimately made just blows my mind. It's sort of reminiscent of the Seahawks uh, Super Bowl game against the past couple years ago where they had time to think about it and then ultimately made the wrong decision. I'm going to let this airplane fly over. All right, should be good. So they come out of the timeout and uh, the Patriots had called the timeout with a minute 55 on the clock. And then what happens? The Seahawks call their own timeout, right? So now we have like probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 seconds of non-game time. So there's a Patriots timeout followed immediately by a Seahawks timeout. They've got all this time to think about it. And then what do they do? They come out and throw on third and one with a minute and 55 seconds uh, from their own 28-yard line. So they're backed up. They're going to give the Patriots good field position as a result of this incomplete pass uh, to Tyler Lockett instead of just running the ball a third straight time and likely getting a first down and forcing the Patriots to use their own timeouts, which would have left them assuming that the Seahawks couldn't just run out the clock or score again, uh, would have left them probably with somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 seconds. So anyways, uh, anybody aspiring to be a football coach uh, or a play caller or even just playing Madden uh, or even just talking sports like don't get trapped by this idea that the only way that you can successfully move the ball in the NFL and keep things going is by throwing it fucking tired of it run the damn ball even a bootleg with Wilson give him an option to throw or run the guy would had been killing it all game 
and you take the ball and you throw it 30 yards downfield. And everyone wants to make this thing, well, it was a bad snap and that threw off his timing. Bullshit. Bullshit. You're the number one quarterback in the league, at least number two, number three, maybe. I think you're the MVP of the season so far. This is absurd. Hand the fucking ball off. All right. I'll be back in a minute with recap and injury update. So I wanted to go through week two and uh, recap the games. Um, But I was just looking through the scoreboard. It looks like only one game uh, could be affected by Monday night football. And that's the OGs versus the Rice Balls. Currently, I'm recording this at about 420 on uh, Monday. Uh, Currently, the Rice Balls have a 13-point lead. uh, But the OGs still have a couple guys left to go it looks like they've got the saints kicker will lutz and then also uh josh jacobs from the raiders uh he's expected the ogs are expected to come back and win 122 to 110 um so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out tonight i i would expect the ogs to be able to pull this one out uh, which i think goes against my picks in the last show um, but let's see here. So just for shits and giggles, it looks like the seeds of seven are going to get their first win of the season. They are up 141 to 126 over the MDs highest scoring game of the year, by the way. So looking at the seeds of seven, they've got the highest point total of the week. Uh, Josh Allen currently, as far as Dan Orlovsky is concerned, the NFL's league MVP after beating up on the worst two teams in the league. Uh, Josh Allen would be his MVP pick. Um, I think I said earlier that it's Russell Wilson's uh, ward to lose at this point. Uh, but we're also only two games in, so let's be realistic about this. So there's a lot of football left to be played, and I don't expect Josh Allen's name to be anywhere near the top of the conversation um, by the end of the season. Surprising, too, Gardner Minshew with the MDs, 30 points. Uh, go Cougs. Uh, let's see here. So... Yeah, uh, congratulations to the Seeds of Seven for getting off the, you know, getting, oh, getting their first victory. Looks like uh, Seatown Sasquatches. See, I keep getting Seatown Sasquatches mixed up and Seeds of Seven mixed up because I still have it in my head after seeing Josh's face during the draft with that big beard that he was the Seatown Sasquatch. It's actually Trios' team. Um, Trios got the big upset, knocked off Dick's picks, 143 to 104. Let's see, how was that? Russell Wilson, yeah, 43 points. He didn't even get a point from one of his running backs, and he's still... Oh, I'm sorry, that's Dick's pick. Russell Wilson's got the 43 points. Jesus, so how did... Let's see. He's got, like, 40 points from his wide receivers. There we go. Kareem Hunt, 22. Tyler Higby, the... Uh, is that Tyler Higby? Is that right? Yeah, Tyler Higby, tight end from uh, the Rams, 23. Got 16 from his kicker? God damn. It's more than Yaniv's wide receivers all put together. And then also Baltimore with uh, 18 points. So congrats to the um, to the Knicks on that, to the Sasquatches, I should say. Uh, Slaughterhouse Sundays looks like maybe they got their first win. Definitely uh, 133 to 104. Looks like Mahomes still has a couple guys left to play. Hopefully no more injuries because we all know he doesn't need it. I mean, just think about this for a second. Mahomes has lost, the, the Mahomes have lost both of their starting running backs that they drafted. Um, Le'Veon Bell's on injured reserve, and then Saquon Barkley uh, got hurt yesterday. It looks like he's out for the season. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be tough. 
sledding from here on out if you're uh if you're my homies. Um let's see here. Looks like Hut Hut Howards. They're gonna knock off the number one seeded team after let's see, a ninety-five to eighty-one victory. Looks like they still each have a couple guys left to play, but it doesn't look like either one of those is gonna be able to shift the uh, balance here. I mean I guess he's got the Raiders or the Saints defense against the Raiders tonight. So he'll go up to what 101 to start the game and then work back from there. So uh assuming that Jared Cook doesn't do anything for the Saints. Looks like that's about it. So it's the Saints D versus uh Jared Cook. Um but that would be a big um win for Howards get him into the win category. Like I was saying, OGs and Rice Balls still have a couple uh, guys going. That match is yet to be determined. Um, one of those teams will end up with their first win of the year. The other one will go to 0-2. And then up at the top, uh, looks like I got the Soul Glow beat. Yeah, I'm up 107-104. He's done. I got I got a Kamara left to play and, and Waller. So still got a few points left to put up on the board. Um, but took a couple of injuries this weekend um, that I'll get into. So if everything is correct, though, with the way that I'm looking at all of these matchups and just sort of where teams are seated right now, that means I'm going to go to 2-0 and and I think up to first place in the league. It'll be interesting to see what happens with points and all that, but I should be in contention because Groundchuck got beat. He was number one. Solglow got beat. I just beat him. He was number two. I was number three. Dick's pick is is going to go out, and then Mahomes lost. So I think I'm going to be maybe the only undefeated team. Let's go over here to league standings. Yeah, okay, so MDs, is that what I said? So, yeah, MDs is going to lose. So I think I'm the only team. I think, you're, I think you're hearing right now from the only undefeated team in the best damn fantasy league after week two. Um, but, uh, yeah, a little caveat there. Um, but yeah, you know, two and oh, but with a couple of big injuries. So I'm going to get into that in just a second. I'll be right back. I was watching the 49ers game and, um, all of a sudden within like two plays, three plays, they lose Nick Bosa. He's carted off. I think there was a play in the middle and then Solomon Thomas gets hurt and gets carted off. And I send over a text message to to the group text, uh, basically talking about how like the season is falling or the the defense for the the 49ers is literally falling apart. And then all of a sudden the um, messages start flying about other guys who have gotten hurt. And we're seeing names like Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Devontae Adams. I mean, shit, you name it, like. This is less significant than any of those guys, but like on on my team, Cortland Sutton got hurt. Um, I think there was a running back for the Colts that got hurt. I mean, it was or it was a wide receiver maybe for the Colts got hurt. It was it was insane. I mean, this was all like in the first half of the first games that the news on these injuries was starting to break, and uh, so you know I just kind of wanted to go through like team by team and and sort of see at least with some of these guys the, the more significant players that got that got knocked out yesterday um and uh see you know kind of what the consequences of this are going to be um it it's interesting cuz it's happening you know to like all the marquee players um and it's happening during a season that we 
reduced roster space. So it'll be inter- interesting to see um, what this means for you know how we're how we're playing the waiver wire and all that. Um, I mentioned it earlier, so I mean I. I don't know like necessarily how to rank any of the injuries. It's never a good sign when a player gets hurt, and especially when it, they're out for the season. But, I mean, they're, you can't look at the list of players that, have been, that are going to miss significant time or, or like the entire season without kind of starting at me and Mahomes. And I feel like I'm picking on Aaron in this podcast. I, don't, I, I really don't mean to, but, you know, he lost Le'Veon Bell, the injured reserve, earlier in the season. And then yesterday loses Saquon Barkley uh, for the rest of the year. And, you know, I'm looking at his roster right now. He's got four more wide, um, or one, two, only two more running backs on his bench. I thought I was seeing three. I guess I was seeing Le'Veon Bell down there in the injured reserve. Um, But I don't think either one of them is necessarily like a suitable replacement. I don't know how you replace one running back, let alone two, um, especially after after the first week of the first two weeks of the season. Um, but I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, please. Like if it'd be great to have you come on the show and just talk about what the fuck do you do heading into week three without two of your f- top players? You know, like how do you replace this? What is the strategy? Um, you play in a lot of leagues. I'm sure you've had to deal with stuff like that before. It'd be interesting to get your perspective. So, you know, this goes out to all of y'all. I mean, I know this is probably the second or third time in this podcast that I've put the call out, but, um, but you know, get the app, get the Anchor app, and then it's super easy. Like, I basically just set, send you a text message to a link. You click the link, the op, app pops up, and uh, we start recording. And we can get these things knocked out in just, like, a couple of minutes. Uh, yeah, here's this other dude. So Paris Campbell, wide receiver for the Colts, also was a bench player for uh, the MDs. So he's got he's got a guy now who's out for the season. So that's, um, let's see, I, I forgot to look over here. At, I'm looking over at the uh, ground chuck. Doesn't look like he's had any significant injuries yet. I say yet because I have a feeling this is about to be another pandemic. I was messaging with Yaniv yesterday and I asked him, I go, you know, like, are we seeing all of these issues, uh, these, these injuries uh, as a result of having not had like a proper training camp or preseason to get your body into condition to play football? Um, you know, f- figure why not ask the health and phys ed teacher who's got a master's degree. He'll tell you all about that master's degree if you ask him. But um, yeah, or you don't, even if you don't. But uh, he's no better than you, just because he's got a higher degree. Yeah, so you know, it looks like Mia Mahomes has got a player that's out for the year. I have a, I have at least one player who's out for the year. I'm kind of worried about a couple of others, but um, I end up, Car- uh, what is it, Sutton? Can't even think of his first name right now. But Sutton got hurt from. Uh, the Broncos, they put him on injured reserve today. I was driving. I pulled over and just dropped his ass. So, um, you know, I ain't got time for that shit. Let's see here. How do I get back? I'm trying to figure out how to get back over here. Dick's picks. Doesn't look like he's lost anybody. Oh, Jamison Crowder. He's out. I don't know if he was out for the season, but he's just on his injured reserve. Um, I like that in- injured reserve position. I like having two of them, actually, uh, especially the way things are starting to go. Eric sent me a message yesterday. He was like, 
you know, isn't it funny that the, uh, we add these two positions, the injured reserve positions, and um, they're filling up with guys who are legit hurt, not having anything to do with COVID. Uh, it doesn't look like COVID, for whatever it's worth, is going to be much of a factor here early on, at least. It'll be interesting to see as the year goes, um, but haven't heard much on that front. So, yeah, uh, looking at Mahomes, two players out for the season. Dix picks. He's got Crowder, who's on his injured, injured reserve. Um, MDs, I don't think had, he's got Paris Campbell. He's out. I don't think his, I don't think they put him on IR. I don't think he was like out for the year. Christian McCaffrey. That was the other huge one. Uh, who's the slaughterhouse Sundays. So yeah, dude, you lose the first overall pick in the draft for whatever it was, four to six weeks. Um, huge hole. And then, you know, I look on your bench you look like you're the team that's most uh, set up to be able to handle this. You got a guy on IR, you know, you got Cam Akers, who I think got hurt this, uh, this week too. But then you got Leonard Fournette, who I think was a free agent pickup or a late round pick. That dude scored 25 points on your bench. Um, you know, McCaffrey had 20. So you plug him in, you got 19 from uh, James Robinson, like, your team's sneaky good, man. I was texting that with, with Sean yesterday. Your your team's looking pretty sick. Uh, let's see. So I'm looking at Seeds of Seven. Doesn't look like they had any big injuries. I was trying to find out who had Devontae Adams because, yeah, so Rice Ball's right here. Devontae Adams. I didn't even see what had happened with him. Um, but it says he's got, like, two separate injuries. I don't know. That'd be kind of worrisome. But Devontae, yeah, he, he's, he's dope. Dude, you got six, seven, eight. You got nine points from your wide receivers this week. Tang? What the fuck? And none of them are hurt um, other than Adams. So let's see here. Oh, geez. It doesn't look like you got anything to really. Oh, I guess uh, Kenny Galladay. He's hurt. He's out. You got Debo Samuel on IR, but none of your players that got hurt yesterday, none of those guys were on your roster. Hut Hut Howards looks like he got through the week okay. Uh, Negative points from your backup running back, Benny Snell. Hmm. But Connor put up a huge game for you, so that's I like Connor. Uh, let's see, and then Seatown Sasquatches. I don't think anybody on that team got hurt. Well, Michael Thomas is out tonight. But yeah, so Aaron, the call is out. Come on the pod. Tell me what it feels like. Tell me what you're going to do. Uh, and that goes for all the rest of you guys, too. If you guys feel like talking shit about your fantasy football team, if you feel like talking shit about my fantasy football team, or you just feel like talking shit about Sean, download the Anchor app. Let me know when you have. I'll send you a text. You can join the join the show. Um, by the way, the show now available, I think I said last week, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Of course, it's on Anchor. Uh, go hit the subscribe button. You'll get new updates as randomly as I feel like posting these things. Uh, for whatever it's worth, you guys just got like a 30-minute podcast. It took me like 45 minutes to do this today. I was doing it while I was waiting for my COVID test was doing it in a parking lot at a marine supply shop, and uh, now I'm standing here doing it in my house. So anyways, easy to do. Download the app. I feel like a salesman. Maybe it's because 
I used to be. I don't know. Anyways, uh, yeah, week two in the books. Peace. Welcome back to the Best Damn Pod. Nick Nickerson here. Uh, so you may remember a couple of years ago, I used to put together a uh, power rankings. And I uh, used to catch a bunch of shit for it because it was seen as kind of controversial. And somehow my team always ended up at the top. And and so I retired it. And... Uh, and uh, the other day was going through some Google Docs, cleaning up a couple folders, and lo and behold, it popped up. The old uh, no-nonsense Nickerson, or what was it? What's it called? It's the no-nonsense power rankings. And um, so I was kind of looking through it, and I thought, you know, what the hell? It's good content for the podcast. And uh, so here we go. This is the uh, no-nonsense power rankings for week two. And if you're unfamiliar with this, what, what, it, what I do is just assign points to each team based on where they rank in four categories. So it's the standings, your point, points scored, points for, uh, points against, and what your win-loss streak is. And this was sort of based on like the old CBS Sportsline power rankings. Um, the only thing I added to it was the, the points for, points against for the win streak. Um, but here's an example of how it, how it works. So if you're the only, you know, let's just say two and O team in the league, like I am, uh, your team is awarded 12 points. And then on the flip side, if you're Oh, and two, like the rice balls, you, you get one. So, you know, there's 12 teams in the league. The best record gets the most points. The team with the worst record gets the fewest. Um, this is the same for all of the other categories that I, I mentioned earlier, except for the win-loss streak in which you just earn points based on however many uh, wins in a row you have or you are subtract, you subtract points uh, for each loss that you've suffered in a row. So a team with two wins in a row like myself, I get two extra points. And if we use Tang again for the example... Um, we would take two away. So if he had one point for having the best record or the worst record and lost, you know, two games in a row, he'd actually have a no nonsense ranking of or a point total of minus one um, where I would have 14 for having the best record in the league and then the two points for the winning streak. Um, if there's multiple teams that that all share the same record, for example, I add up the the point totals and then that they would normally be assigned, you know, and then divide that up by the number of teams in the league. So right now there's 10 teams with an, a uh, one and one record, uh, which is pretty amazing, actually, that there's one undefeated teams, 10 teams, that, one undefeated team, 10 teams that are all one and one. And then you got Tang sorry ass at uh, 0 and 2. But so you'd have those 10 teams with a one and one record. We had 11 for so 11 plus 10 plus 9 plus 8 plus seven, plus six, plus five, plus four, plus three, plus two to get 65, right? And then we divide that by 10 and assign each team six and a half points. You got it? So again, uh, I do that with each of the categories mentioned earlier. I just add all those up and uh, each team is ranked based on the, their point total. It's not a perfect system. I know that, but until one of you offer a better solution or some kind of alternative, it's what we got. 
to save time, I already um, have done all the math. So, you know, without further ado, here are the results of the no-nonsense power rankings after week two. Uh, so in the 12th spot with 11 and a half points, Hut Hut Howard. At number 11 with 12 and a half points, it's the Seattle Sasquatch. Welcome back to the league, Nick. Uh, they might be 0-2, but their 13 no-nonsense points are good for 10th on my power rankings. It's the Rice Balls. Holding down the 8th spot are two teams tied with 16 and a half points. We got the OGs and uh, Ground Chuck. Uh, what do you get with 17 and a half points? You get 7th place and MD's Nuts. I don't know. Trying some different shit out. Uh, for the second time, we have a tie. This time, it's for fifth place. Uh, with 20 and a half points each, it's me and Mahomes and Soul Glow who uh, play each other this week. That's an interesting little matchup. Um, he probably has way more than 22 and a half picks of his dick, but that's exactly how many nonsense points he has, which is good enough for fourth. <laughs> All right, here we go. Top three. I can feel the suspense building. All right, I said it in the last podcast. This team is really good, but it's too early to crown them. The Slaughterhouse Sundays. You're number three with 24 and a half points. The uh, experts said they failed the draft. The computer auto-drafted Josh Allen. This season looked like a what kind of year. But now after two weeks, the seeds of seven are making us all look foolish as their manager's beard. Oh, (laughs) I fucked it up. The seeds of seven are making us all look as foolish as their manager's beard. 27 and a half points in second place, which obviously leaves the no-nonsense Nickersons in first place with 31 points. You think this is a bunch of nonsense? You're right. Tell me about it. Be a part of the show. It's easy. All you have to do is download the Anchor app. All right, I got some bowel prep to drink. Peace.